0: Welcome to episode 55 of the Grow Your Own Food podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Smith, and today we are going to be talking about the basics of succession planting. Succession planting is something that I did not start out doing when I first started gardening um, because I kind of thought about my garden like I think about my living room right like you put your furniture there and then it stays there and it doesn't move and I kind of thought about my garden in the same way I put the vegetables there I grow them and then that's it for the year but you can actually make use of your space so much more than that if you know the secrets of succession planting which I'm going to be going over today so That is what is on deck for today's episode, but first, a word from our sponsor. So in temperate zones, where there is a distinguishable difference between spring, summer, and fall, there's often enough time to plant one crop, let it mature, remove it, and plant another crop. This is especially true in places like the Midwest where you don't live you know, super far north and so you have a really short growing season. Those of us who have a really long growing season of let's say six months should definitely be making use of succession planting because it just allows you to get the most out of your available space during the growing season. So you have all that time, you have that space, why waste that space once your crop matures, right? The basic way to think about succession planting is growing conditions and or fast maturity rate of the plants that you're trying to grow. Things that like cool weather, generally, like I said, if you have a long growing season and you live in a temperate zone, can be grown twice a year in spring and in fall right so kind of when we have those that cool weather that starts to kick in obviously it's not cool all spring and it's not cool all fall but there is that cool weather that gives a little bit of relief either at the beginning of the plant's maturity cycle or at the end of the plant's maturity cycle for example broccoli can be planted in march to mature in late may or early june and then it can be planted again in late july or early august to mature in late september or early october because it typically takes about 90 days so about three months to mature so that's kind of the way to think of it for like cool weather crops on the other hand you have fast growing warm weather crops like corn or dry beans or green beans, that can also be planted twice in in one growing season. So corn or beans planted in May are going to be ready to harvest in late July. And then those same crops can be planted in mid-July to be harvested in late September or early October in sort of a different spot in your garden where you've pulled something else out. Depending on the variety, both of these crops can fully mature in 75 to 90 days, maybe even a little bit faster if you get a variety that matures faster. Now, obviously things like tomatoes, pepper, squash, eggplant, things that need a long, hot growing season, these are not going to make good candidates for succession plantings. They just don't have enough time to mature before the cold weather sets in and begins to slow down their growth. There's another really cool side to succession planting though. And I think of it as like strategic succession planting for the purposes of sort of soil maintenance. Certain crops take more out of the soil than others broccoli for example while broccoli can be planted twice a year it takes a lot out of the soil especially nitrogen it is a heavy feeder so like everything in the brassica family broccoli cauliflower cabbage all those kind of really sulfury smelling cabbagey smelling really dense, big, huge plants, they grow really quickly and they create large plants that yield really dense, nutritious produce. So they shouldn't be succession planted in the same bed season after season or even year after year because they're just going to take too much out of the soil every year. And it's going to be hard to maintain the nitrogen level, maintain the nutrient level in general in that area if you keep planting them in the same place then you have other crops like any plant in the legume family like dry beans peas green beans edamame they form a symbiotic relationship with a beneficial bacteria called rhizobia that create these nodes on on the roots that have a special enzyme that process atmospheric nitrogen into nitrates into a form that plants can use so because legumes kind of tend to put into the soil rather than take out of the soil. They're a really great crop to plant after heavy feeders like broccoli. It won't need a whole lot from the soil. So that's why... In March, I plant broccoli in one bed, and then after I harvest the broccoli, I remove the plants and sow kidney beans, a nitrogen-fixing legume. So even though I've used a ton of nitrogen in my garden bed to grow my broccoli in spring, I'm able to start building it back up in summer by sowing beans right after that. As a result, I'm able to get two crops out of the same bed space while still keeping the soil healthy. By strategically succession planting legumes after heavy feeders or light feeders after heavy feeders in this way, you can kind of help maintain or even sometimes build up the nitrogen stores in the soil every year. You just have to make sure that you leave the roots and those nitrogen-filled rhizobia on the roots of the legumes especially in the soil by cutting the plants off at soil level instead of pulling them out by the roots. Over time, those roots will break down and decompose, making the nitrogen available to the next plant that comes along. And honestly, this should go for pretty much any plant, not just legumes. So if we think about The roots of a plant as like a pantry, they store extra energy for when, you know, the plant is not able to get a whole lot of energy elsewhere. So like maybe it's cloudy for several days in a row. Maybe the soil isn't as nutrient dense as it should be, or it's running low. The plant can kind of call on those reserves in the roots and use those roots to maintain its growth or fruiting or what have you. If you pull those plants out by the roots, you're taking all that potential energy out of the soil and throwing it out, throwing it away, honestly, if you throw your garden waste into lawn waste bags and you and you don't compost. If you do compost, yeah, technically, you know, those, those roots are getting composted down into, you know, organic material that your plants are then going to utilize, but you can just as easily just cut the plants off at the soil level leave the roots in the soil all the roots of every plant and you know over the next few seasons they will break down and just add to the nutrient levels of the soil now this won't be enough nitrogen to get the plants through the entirety of the next year when i talk about building up the nitrogen levels in the soil or building up the soil i mean it's not like you're going to be able to do so much of that just by growing peas after broccoli that you'll never have to fertilize You know your plants that you plant in that bed next year. You will still have to fertilize a bit during flowering and fruiting, but you are ensuring a nitrogen store in the soil so that any seeds or seedlings you plant there in the next spring will have plenty to get started with and they'll be getting off to a good start. So let's talk about some more examples of succession planting. I talked about, you know, planting broccoli in March and then pulling that out and planting like a, a nitrogen fixer, like a like a dry bean, like um, kidney beans. Here are like several more examples of things that you can do for su- succession planting. You can grow garlic and onions in one bed to be harvested in mid to late July, you know, whether you plant your... Typically, I plant my garlic in fall, like in October, November, and then I plant my onions in March or April. But both of them are ready to be harvested generally late June, early to mid July. Since root crops aren't really big, heavy feeders, after you take them out, you can plant a heavy feeder like Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cauliflower etc. In July, they're seedlings in July to harvest in fall slash winter because mature Brussels sprout, broccoli, cauliflower, brassica plants in short, they can handle you know a little bit of chilly weather. Brussels sprouts especially, they can get snow on them and they're said to even taste better once there have been a few light freezes. Another thing you can do, you can sow leafy greens in March, so like spinach, kale, Swiss chard, harvest throughout the spring, and then pull after the greens go to seed in say early to mid-June. Then after that, you can succession plant carrots to be harvested in December or November if you want to harvest a little bit early. Carrots are often sweeter when grown in cold weather. I've tried it myself and it's true. And honestly, you can plant carrots, I would say, up to July um, and, and have them be able to be harvested You know, before it gets really, really freezing in, in a lot of different places here in the US and in the UK and I would imagine in Australia as well where a lot of my listeners come from. Leafy greens, you know, they are also light feeders, so following a light feeder up with another light feeder, such as a root crop, perfectly fine. It's not gonna exhaust the soil to an exorbitant amount. You can plant potatoes in March as another example, harvest them in July, and then transplant a brassica like broccoli or cauliflower. You can sow peas in late March or early April, harvest them through late May and early June, and then succession plant with a heavy feeder like corn in July, which will be harvested in the fall, like in September or October, especially if you want to grow something like popcorn or Ornamental corn, like that glass gem corn that's really pretty that you, you know, a lot of people like to put on like their front doorstep or around their mailbox to decorate around Halloween. That is a really, really good crop to succession plant. So like I said, you plant it in July, it's ready in October for decorating. Perfect. You can sow carrots in late March or early April harvest them generally late June, early July, and then follow up with succession planting, leafy greens or dry beans. So kind of like the reverse of what I just talked about, or you can honestly follow up, you know, like also, like I said earlier, you can follow up any root crop with a heavy feeder, like a brassica, you know, broccoli, cauliflower. You can sow corn in May, harvest it in July, And then succession plant, black beans or any other dry bean like kidney beans, cannellini beans to be harvested in the fall to build the soil back up after everything that has been taken out of it by the corn. And then finally, you can grow spring cabbage to be harvested in May or June. Succession plant after that heavy feeder with dry beans to build the soil back up again for next year. So... Those are just some examples based on the things that I grow that my household eats the most of. Pretty much if you can do one, you can do the reverse of that same thing later in the year or in a different bed. Now... On the sister post for this blog, it's really interesting. I use a really cool tool, a garden layout tool from the Farmer's Almanac. It's called the Garden Planner, and I think it's about $20 a year to subscribe to. It is invaluable to me. I cannot tell you... I touch it probably every month because I'm constantly, you know, something doesn't go quite right or I'm fiddling with the layout a little bit or seeing if I can squeeze another flower or another few more onions here. It's really, really wonderful for companion planting, general, you know, garden layout, figuring out how many of each plant you can grow in a certain space. I absolutely love it. I'm not getting paid by them to tell you about it. It's not like I, I get any sort of money for telling you about it. That is how much I believe in it. That is how much I personally use it and I love it. I would 100% recommend it. And you can kind of get a look at what it looks like in the sister post for this podcast episode because in the sister post for this podcast episode, I have a month-to-month sort of layout view of my garden beds so you can kind of see how I rotate different crops and how I succession plant different crops after one another. Um, So if you're wanting to see sort of some of those succession planting examples in action, um, I do have pictures on my blog of my garden layout from month to month, from April through December. So you can kind of see those examples with your own eyeballs and it also kind of gives you a chance to see if you were to subscribe to that garden planner tool at almanac.com gives you a chance to see what it looks like but again really really amazing tool I can't hype it up enough I've used it pretty much since I've started gardening And, and I would honestly have to say that I would attribute a lot of my successes to it so That is it for this episode about succession gardening. I want to give a shout out to a listener who left a very kind review recently. Um, They said they can't wait for the podcast every week. They listen to it while biking to work and they are a garden teacher and it gets them pumped up to work in the garden all day with kids and I cannot tell you how much I love that. It made me smile so big, not just, you know, that you look forward to listening to it every week. Of course, I love that, but I love that it gets you pumped up to work with kids and teach them in the garden. That is so amazing that, I mean, if I could be teaching kids in a garden, I would do that all day long for the rest of my life. I honestly could probably do that. Maybe I'll look into how to go about doing that because that sounds like my dream job. Anyway, thank you so much for those kind words. It makes me so happy to, you know, hear that it provides you with so much um, inspiration and enthusiasm to go about your day in your job. So. Thank you for that. If you haven't already, I really, really would appreciate it if you um, head on over to your podcatcher of choice and just take a second to review the podcast. Alternatively, if you don't want to do that, if you have somebody in your life, like a friend or a family member who is into gardening, it would be much appreciated if you recommended the podcast that way. Again, what that does is just help other people find the podcast and help them know that it's worth listening to and that they're going to learn from it and that they're going to enjoy it. And then obviously, I appreciate it so very much and it lets me know that I'm telling you guys things you want to hear about. So in our next episode... I am going to be talking about when to harvest garlic. There's a lot of conflicting advice out there actually, or at least there was when I first started gardening. I have finally figured out when you should harvest garlic so we're going to be talking about that in the next episode hopefully it's not too late hopefully your garlic is still in the ground my garlic was actually ready a decent amount earlier than it usually is this year it may have something to do with the lack of rainfall we need rain in a bad way where i'm at but i'm going to be telling you all about that and i will also have a video After I post that podcast episode, I will have a video up on my Instagram about how to braid your garlic for storage. So if you don't follow me on Instagram, you can follow me at b and basil no underscore nothing like that just b and basil and i will be sharing that video on how to braid your garlic for storage after i post that podcast episode about harvesting garlic so thank you so very much again for listening i really appreciate every single one of you and i'll talk to you guys in the next episode thanks for listening to the grow your own food podcast Visit beeandbasil.com for helpful how-to articles, images, and recipes.